Wrestling with the Future. I'm your host, Mad Dog DeCipio. This is part two. Part two of psychology and storytelling. What happened to ring psychology and where are all the storytellers? And joining me and back for the uh, back for more punishment. <laughs> back for part two. Seth Witts, a boxing and wrestling historian. The guy looks famous. He's not that guy, though. I'm going to tell you right now. You're going to look at Seth and go, hey, I saw him on TV. He's not that guy. That guy is Michael Anderson. But in Seattle, you would have seen me on TV. So if you're from Seattle, you definitely got a different thing. Yeah, but that's local television in Seattle. (laughs) Joining me, Michael Murphy, Armageddon. The man called Armageddon. How you doing, Murph? I'm doing great, Angelo. It's a pleasure to be back. Why so formal? Usually you call me schmuck or asshole. <laughs> no, 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 no. Come on now. I no, only do it. I've known you for 20. <laughs> you realize I've known you since your career started? Uh, yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's true. Uh, I think my... <laughs> I was into my career about a year, maybe two, when uh, you and I met. Yep, you were about a year and a half in. You sure were. And to round out this amazing panel, he is a pro wrestling Hall of Famer. He is a journeyman wrestler, a guy. He was the super glue of Vince McMahon Sr.'s Worldwide (laughs) Wrestling Federation. And he's my neighbor here in Jersey. Irish David O'Hannon. The most Irish guy I know. That's right. How you doing, brother? I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. It's uh, fun to be back with you guys. I want to take this opportunity right at the beginning of the show. I usually wait at the end of the show to do this, but I'm so stoked about my guest for next week's show that I want to tell everybody at the, the outset of this show who it is. He is a Pro Wrestling Hall of Famer in not one, not two, not three, but four Pro Wrestling Halls of Fame. He is uh, the man who patented the forearm called the Polish Hammer. You got Uh, it. The Polish uh, power himself, Ivan Putski, is my guest next week. All right. I know Murph is volunteering for that show. (laughs) Well, I'm oh, going to call. Up, I'm going right. to call in and say hi to him. You, I got news for you, David. You can come on and join the show with us next week. Why uh, not? Yeah, I won't. I won't take the time up, but I'm going to call. Uh, I'm going to call in and say hello to him. It's been a Absolutely. long time since I saw him or spoke to him. I worked He's with him. He's building uh, a new house, brother. He's building a new house. Is he still in Texas? Uh, yes, I think he is. As a matter of fact, because the area code looked like it was a Texas area code. Okay. Yeah, he's still. I'll get after when we get off the air. I'll uh, I'll share it with you. All right. Okay, you got. It. So uh, when we last went, we were talking about the lost art of ring psychology and storytelling, and that of course branches off into other things like characters and character developments and what happened to you know all our amazing characters, the cowboys, the Indians. You know where are the uh, the little people? Well, Seth is with us, but you're not working right now. I was, and I was, and I was never billed uh, like as a midget wrestler or anything like that. That was never part of it's my. Interesting, Seth. You always worked as a manager, right? Yes, I worked as a manager, and I worked in creative, and then as a coach uh, in boxing now. And I even work with pro wrestlers uh, today on teaching them uh, how to cut promos and do mic work and things like that. That's so let's talk that. about that, Seth. This is a great segue. Let's yeah. talk about that. What happened to, like, the characters, like the little people and the, and cowboys and blonde-headed heels? And then we'll go around you and then Davey jump in. Go for it. There's a, you know, there's a few things. It's kind of a, a multi-tiered question. Uh, one, we can talk about what's the difference between a gimmick, a character, and a persona, you know, um, and we can talk about uh, how you live that, practice that, things like that, and I can even tell you kind of what I do uh, in terms of working with my students. Um, I'll start with the gimmick, persona, character thing. Um, when I started out, uh, I w- I've always considered my thing to be my persona, 
Uh, it was never okay. a character. I never had to play a part to be Fish and Chips Wilson, you know, was my, my ring name when I was managing. And when I started out, I would wear the tweed cap, smoke a cigar, drink a beer, because that's what I did. You know, okay. and I'd go out there and I'd just be that way. Sure. As it progressed, I started to, um, at suggestions of promoters and even just myself, you know, and getting into what other angles people were doing, started to wear the Greek fisherman's cap. I started to uh, have a corn cob pipe, you know, and uh, yeah. one promoter wanted me to carry a bottle of uh, malt vinegar to spray in people's eyes, you know, and stuff. Okay. And I said, nah, that's too literal, you know. Um, when I started, the character or the persona went over really well. When I started to get a little too literal, a little too cartoonish, dropped off a little bit. And I said, you know what, I'm just going to go back. I'm going to wear my cap. I'm going to smoke my cigar, drink my beer, and do my thing. And it picked go. up again exponentially because I realized at that point I wasn't a character. I wasn't a gimmick. It was my persona that exactly. I was bringing to the ring. And the persona, let's, let's clarify that. The persona sure. is an extension of yourself. A right. character is made up. Right. And the gimmick, I mean, I think a persona and a, and a, and a character can have gimmicks. Gimmicks are kind of what we, the cigar and the beard. That's a gimmick. You know, well, but I even have though. A question for you, Daily O'Hannon. They say well, the best characters are your real personality cranked up to 11. Oh, right. yeah. There's no doubt. Of, listen, when, when you said, where are all the characters? Mike Cicluna used to walk into a dressing room, and Mike Cicluna was a character. Uh, it was a yeah. wonderful guy, a dear, dear friend. But Mike used to look around a dressing room and say, we got the geeks, the freaks, the midgets, the ladies, cavemen, bear men, wolf men, cowboys, Indians, doctors, lawyers. We got them all. We got them all. So, like you just said, you, you became... That person, whatever it might have been, you became that person. And we never stepped out of character. We didn't yes. step out of character in front of the people. I never yes. did. Not once. Uh, I found it easier to be a heel. Uh, it was easier for me to be a little bit arrogant and, and give a face to a person. Uh, and it's more you know, fun. I, yeah, I, you know, I, didn't, I never, never signed an autograph uh, in front of the people. Not once. Not once. That's, uh, that's interesting. Know, to the point of stepping you know? out of character or not, um, one way that we used to kind of, um, I don't want to say practice this, but uh, when I was in it, you know, and the difference now is people don't live their characters. They don't live their personas. Ah. We would go to a bar. All my stories end up in a pub or Las Vegas. That's all my good stories. But uh, we would go to a bar at me and the guys that I used to manage or whatever, and we would sit around and we would cut promos on each other in public, just, you know, back and forth, cutting promos on each other. The, the more, you know, the, the more obscure or the worse, the better, you know? And all of a sudden we noticed, we would just do it for ourselves. And we also, we'd notice a crowd gathering around us and people would be cheering or laughing or whatever, just us talking shit to each other, you know, cutting yeah. promo. And from that, we were just being ourselves. We'd take it on the weekend to Saturday night's, uh, you know, bring, uh, to the fight we were going to do or the wrestling match. And we just do that all over again or take elements of that. And pretty soon the crowd was gathering around, just like in the pub, you know, and saying, like, so we never, like Davey's saying, we were never out of it, you know? Well, you know what? It, with, that, with that thought in mind, you know, I'll, I'll page back to the 70s when I was working, the early 70s. If you worked for Eddie Graham in Florida, okay. now Eddie Graham was one of the, the best wrestling minds that I ever came across. But talking about your persona, if you were a tough guy heel and you went to a bar and somebody challenged you or you wound up in a scrape, if you got beat up, you were done in Eddie Graham's territory. Oh, he yeah. Would tell, he would tell you, well, he would tell you when, when he hired you, he said, let me tell you something. If you think you're a tough guy, you better be a tough guy all the time. You better be a tough guy all the time. You're on our television. You're on our arenas. You're going to be a tough guy. So if you think, and, and it happened, J.J. is, is the, the 
greatest example. JJ, really good amateur wrestler. He's got a good background, but JJ is not a not you know JJ isn't a uh, haku. Okay, nobody's right. nobody's a haku, right. by the way. Uh, but you know, and JJ said, "Hey, listen, I, I don't go out and get in fights. So here's the deal: I don't go to those places." Why? Because yeah. I'm making because I'm making good money here in Florida, and if exactly. I go to a bar and a couple of guys clean my clock, and the word gets out, the next thing that's going to happen to me is I'm going to be looking for another territory. Exactly. You know, can't do that. <laughs> exactly. So, so if your persona was uh, a tough guy, then you better be a tough guy all the time, all Absolutely. the time. So, yeah. Just right off. Just to ride off of uh, Davey's uh, thoughts there and what he was saying, there was the time uh, I, had fin- I had finished an event and it was one of the few times that I stayed and had a couple drinks. I w- we were at a uh, VFW hall and uh, the ring crew hadn't started taking the ring down yet and myself and a couple of the other guys were in the bar and we we're having a couple beers and I had, of course I was a heel and you know, like Davey said, you've got to carry that persona outside of the ring also because, you know, the fans can still be there also. So, yep. you know, I'd be like, you know, get out of my way, that kind of thing. When I'm leaving the arena, I got to keep that persona. Well, I go into the bar, I'm having a beer and unfortunately I'm what you call a drunk magnet. <laughs> Wherever I sit, the drunk is going to end up sitting next he to me. Lying. I know him. <laughs> uh, the, the guy sitting next to me is telling me how he's going to go to a wrestling school, and one day I'm going to have to face him in the ring, and how afraid, you know, like, oh, I'm not that, I don't look that tough. And I turn around, and I just grab the guy, and I said, look, the ring is still up. Let's go out to the ring and you step into my world for five minutes. And the bartender the whole time is looking at this guy saying, shut up, sit down, shut up. He's going to kill you. Right. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, now I'm not, I'm not that guy at home. Right. You know, that's, that's my persona, you know, Armageddon. That's my persona in the ring. That's what I do in front of the crowd. When I'm at home, I'm Mike Murphy watching the Eagles on Sunday with my dog sitting next to me, you know, drinking a beer and eating a cheesesteak, you know. That sounds good. So the difference between wonderful. <laughs> the difference between, you know, a persona and a gimmick, Seth said it perfectly, you know, his hat, his beer, his cigar, that's his gimmick. The person, that's his persona. And I found that I didn't really develop my persona until about or until right around when you and I met. And yeah. it was like a year and a half into my career. I my my persona was all over the place. And finally, believe it or not, and I have to give my mom credit, she said, Look, you ride Harleys, you ride, you know, you're a biker, you're a truck driver, you know. You're that person just why don't you make your persona that person? Yes. So I went, I got, you know, the leather chaps, the leather vest, the, the black tights, the black boot. And for the first time, when I put that outfit on, I felt comfortable in my own skin out in front of that crowd. Murphy, you oh, yeah. have to tell the Undertaker story. Oh, okay. I was... Uh, this is for first, shoot, folks. Yeah, when I first started... I used to come out, I had on, I had the black boots, I had camo pants, a t-shirt, you know, black t-shirt, long black duster, and like I said, my character was all over the place. I had bleach blonde hair, and finally, like I said, what my mother told me, hey, why don't you try this? So I went out, spent a bunch of money, got the outfit together, and it's, and it's getting over. My character was getting over. And one night, I just happened to flip on uh, Monday Night Raw or something, and here comes The Undertaker riding down to the ring, pretty much wearing the outfit I'm wearing, and I'm, <laughs> I'm yelling at the TV set. I'm like, son of a b-. 
bitch. Because <laughs> now I'm thinking, now I got to go and change my character again. <laughs> so that's, yeah. that's my particular story. <laughs> that's, what, that's what copyright is all about, man. Right. Exactly. Well, you know, in terms of talking about ring psychology, what we're really talking about, you know, in terms of the difference between yesteryear and today is... Oh, no, au contraire, my friend. Oh, contraire. There you're going to get an argument. Okay, well, what do you mean? It absolutely is. It absolutely is ring psychology. No, 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 that's what I'm saying. No, this is what I'm saying. My my point is, is that the difference, though, between the ring psychology from then and today... Is that there is none lived, today? That's the problem. <laughs> well, people lived their personas, people lived their gimmicks. So many times now, you see people that I become this character when the camera's on. And, um, but you know, right. even you know, Michael, you're saying, Well, I'm different at home, but you're still the Harley riding, you know, guy, you're still that guy. And yeah. uh, so many people become a they put on a cape and they become a superhero or something. and and then they work a tech job during the week and stuff. And it's like, uh, you know, how do you live? You can't live with that. It's Jake different. the Snake Roberts said it best. And Davey, I'm curious to what you think about this. Jake the Snake said, my match begins when I pull in the parking lot. Oh, so yeah. I become Jake the Snake the moment I get out of my car. No doubt about it. And that match begins the moment I get out of my car. I am sure. that person. Yeah, if there's if there's a fan in the parking lot, I want him to hate me before I even get in there. Hey, there you That's go. Yeah. And that, my friend, is the art of psychology. Yeah, it's I mean, I, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure that those of us that that did it back then uh, thought of it like that. I don't. I don't think we we thought. Okay, let's see. What's the psychology about this? Uh, right. Uh, you know, I'm not sure how how to describe what we did. You know, I knew, yeah, I knew I was a heel. I knew yeah. I was a heel. I knew how to act like a heel. I had to act like a, you know, a, a stuck up, uh, smug, nasty. And like I said to you last week, as far as I was concerned, a good heel had to be three things. You had to be sneaky. You had to be vicious, and you had to be a coward. Absolutely. That's how I did it. You know, I was sneaky enough to get the drop on somebody. Then I was vicious when I got them. And then when it was time to change things around, I was an absolute coward. There's nothing anybody hates more than a 250-pound guy that was just kicking the crap out of Tony Gurria, wearing pink tights and pink boots, and now is a coward. So so maybe that's described as... uh, as a psychology, but what we did was when you talk about telling a story, we actually told the story in a ring, you know, and we, and we told it by wrestling. That's, that's what I think is missing a little bit now. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I told you again, last week I worked, uh, you know, I worked with a, a lot of different people. I worked with guys that were absolute legends in the business. Lucky for me, uh, that I got to uh, be there with them. I, I worked, in I think I think Amarillo might have been Albuquerque. I'm not positive. Uh, a 45 minute through with Dory Funk Jr. and was a headlock. That was it. That was it. Yeah. For Forty. Yeah. Forty five minutes. Uh, and and he said to me, "I'll take care of this." Well, let me tell you. That, I mean, the guy is a magician. He's a master. Uh, yeah. You know, he was one of the best ever doing what we did. Uh, and and we did a couple of spots off the headlock, but everything was right in the middle of the ring. There was no hopping around on the ropes. Yeah, I wasn't there to argue with the people. Uh, he, you know, it was so. So that was basically the psychology, and that was the story. The story was Dory was trying to pop my head off my shoulders, and and yeah. I was trying to do everything to prevent that from happening using every dirty move that I possibly could, but. The story was for the people that that didn't work for me. That didn't work. You know, luckily. Yep. Yep. Uh, Just the story was built around the sport, the athletics. Oh, yeah. Around, you know, it was the the confrontation was 
the clash of two wrestlers, not. Well, and uh, you know what, Seth? I think it's more so that now, to be honest with you. I think because of the fact that the 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 guys today are are incredibly uh, superb athletes. No, they're they are, the best. Yeah, they're yeah, fantastic. Remarkable. Oh, they they are remarkable athletes, uh, and they can do anything except wrestle, tell the story, and have psychology. Other and than so, that, they're amazing athletes. Anything um, the forty-five minute headlock that's a a wrestling hold, and so the story was built around that. The story yeah. was built around. Well, yeah. can let me tell you then. Maybe either one of you guys can can shut me down if you if you think I'm wrong. But the story was built around. I'll give you a perfect example. I All used right. this guy last week as a, as a perfect example. Johnny Valentine. Johnny Valentine. Oh my God! Yeah. Would would grab yeah. an arm bar on a guy and keep it there for twenty thirty minutes. Oh, but yeah. what he did was he built tension. Right. He, mm-hmm. That was the psychology of that move. There was a story in that move, too. And it you know what? It, how it takes, angry it, can you get? Go ahead, Davey. Yeah, it, it, and, and our saying used to be it takes three to tango. That, you know, that includes the referee. But don't forget, when Johnny was doing that, uh, that arm bar or Dory had the headlock on me, you had to have... The other person know how to sell. Right. You had to, have, yes. you, you yes. had to know how to sell, yeah. and and we were talking about uh, the chief. Man, he 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 would sell till he looked like he was going to die. Yeah, and and then when it was time, oh, yeah. then it was time. You know, we had little things we could do to get the fans back involved, and boy, they'd start their tom tom rhythm. And, yeah. and all Scarpa had to do was shake his head a little bit, yep. and 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 get up and and he was start a master. That. That, oh, he was he was great. He was great. And, and but Davey, think about what he did though. He told the story with that head shake. Oh yeah, you know. Yeah, he, he didn't have to do a lot. That's all he did. Johnny you know, Valentine you know, took an arm. Point. You made my point beautifully. You know, you don't I, have I, to do a lot. I, the, I was. The, Go I'm ahead, sorry. Go ahead. I, no, well, I'm sorry, I was, my, I, I was, you know, I was always a heel. I was always a heel. I, I never worked as a baby face, uh, until, until twice, uh, in my, in my career, I got booked against my friend, Mike Cicluna, who was, who was really an established heel. Oh, yeah. And, and, uh, like we're talking about doing, just just enough to get the people involved in telling them a story. Uh, so any, anyway, I made Mike a, a small bet in the dressing room that I was going to make a baby face out of him. And it worked because uh, I just changed my shoes and my tights and put the pink stuff back on and, and it worked. But anyway, they loved the, they loved the Baron. But talk about not doing too much. Uh, during the yeah. match once, I grabbed them and uh, I stuck as I... I hooked his head and I threw his arm over my shoulder and I said, suplex. And he stood up, he looked at me and he went for what? (laughs) (laughs) Actually, if you ever met, if you ever met Mike Cicluna, his voice sounded like he had a, an ice skate stuck in his throat. You know, I met the Baron once. Yeah. He looked at me and he went for what? I said, oh, okay, I get it. We don't need that suplex. I was a kid at the time, and he scared the shit out of me, baby. You know, <laughs> Angelo, you know, you, you and know, I... Hold on, Murph, because I want you to tell the story. Davey just made a beautiful story about not doing much, right? Uh, yep. You have, you have uh, an incident that happened to you where a guy decided to go into business for himself. You want to yeah. tell that story about how you had to... Not only carry the match, but carry him. Me. Yeah, you. Yeah, remember that the guy you told me about this guy. Uh, he decided to go into business for himself, and he did his his ending, and not the finish that was given to him. Oh yes. Um. Yeah. What What happened was we had had an ending set up, and he didn't like it. Uh, so we went with another one 
and we're, we're coming up to the end of the match, getting ready to take it home. And he blows the ending. That's so, the one. <laughs> the, yeah. So the actual deal is that I was trained in. If you have a second, ending, if you blow the original ending, go to your original ending and take it home. Cause you know, you know, I didn't, we didn't want to run over. Well, this guy fought me on that ending the whole way. <laughs> totally post kayfabe in the ring because he starts yelling out in front of the crowd, schoolboy me, schoolboy me. And brother. Oh yeah. Well, not only that, but he took it, he took it, he stiffed me. And he got so a machine. I, I, roll, I roll him up one, two, three. He darts out of the ring because he knew what was coming. I get out of the ring, I look at my manager. And I told him, as I'm running back to the ring, I told my manager, don't ever book me with him again. We get back to the locker room, and I'm going headstrong right to this guy. My manager yells out, get between these two. And I I was ready to rip this kid's head off. I told him, I said, I don't know who trained you. I don't know where you trained at. Uh, this kid couldn't sell to save his life. He couldn't work to save his life. And then he's going to turn around and blow kayfabe for the whole match during the ending of the match. He's lucky. I, he's lucky I didn't drop him right there in the ring. And I'm, know, not, I'm not like that. I'm curious. Well, <laughs> I'm not to tell you the name, but do you know who trained? Did you ever find out who trained him or what his background was? Or? Uh, you know well, what? I know who trained him, and I know the guy's name. Uh, yeah. He's not working anymore. Th that's Imagine that. Really, believe it or not, that's not really even relevant. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to put that out there. Yeah, no, no, I don't want you to do that. I was just curious if you ever found out. Go ahead, Davey. I, I could say, well, in the old days, <laughs> that that would have been his last visit to a ring. You could yeah. pretty much guarantee that. Uh, if it if it didn't happen right in the ring, it certainly would have happened. In the dressing room, and oh, uh, for sure, I saw I saw that happen uh, more times than once. Uh, I listen. I had a little scrape in a dressing room with uh, Spiros Arion uh, oh, because oh, yeah. I was I was really green and and actually didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know I did. I, I didn't know I hurt Spiro. Uh, he was a really moody guy. Uh, although yeah. uh, we became really close friends. Uh, and I wish I knew uh, what became of him. But anyway, uh, yeah, you know, Spiros uh, and I had a little scrape in a ring, and I didn't even know what happened. And we got back. He actually kicked me in the nuts. I mean, really hard to, to oh, kind of get my sure. to get my attention, to get my attention. And uh, uh, we were in a tag match. It was Spiros and uh, uh, Waldo von Erich with Tony Altamari and I. Uh, and anyway. Uh, uh, we got back in the dressing room, and uh, I was sharing a room with uh, with George Steele, Mike Cicluna, uh, Dominic, and and Bugsy, uh, and Bruno. Oh, wow. uh, you know, they, they, those guys Bugs were playing McCool. cards. Yeah, and uh, and I came in there. You know, I was pretty green, and uh, you know, a little bit of an attitude. And uh, I said, you know, I said, I don't know what's going on around here. I said, but if you assholes uh, think you're going to take advantage of me, yeah. uh, that's not going to happen. Because, you know, I knew how to wrestle. You sure. know, I was, you know, I was, you know, I wrestled uh, big eight. Uh, so, you know, I knew how to be an amateur. I sure didn't know how to uh, do any other stuff. So uh, sure. while, while I was shooting my mouth off, uh, Bugsy, who was my dear friend and has an incredible uh, speech impediment, sometimes it takes him 30 seconds to get a word out is trying to tell me, uh, you better look behind you because Spiros is standing there, you know? And I said to these guys, if that Greek MF -er thinks he's going to do this, uh Oh, <laughs> well, Dave, <laughs> guess, who's, guess who's listening to all of this and, uh, turned around and, uh, he said, you want to go all the way? Uh, well, I knew what that meant. Oh yeah, and and yeah, we had a little scrape, you know. Luckily, uh, probably luckily for me, uh, my you know the other guys broke it up. Uh, but when nonsense happened like that in the ring, uh, you know, we took care of it right there, right there. 
especially if you thought somebody was was hurting the business. Because you know, don't forget, you know, unlike some of the independents now, uh, unfortunately, uh, the guys can't make a living like we did in the territories. You know that 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 opportunity isn't there for them. Uh, yeah. Many of the independent guys would be great in the territories. The, a lot of the independent guys would have been stars if the territories. Oh my were still God! Here. Absolutely. Oh yeah. yeah, I mean, no doubt about it. Uh, well, David, but, you're a guy. It's an interesting situation that you found yourself in because you're a guy from the Northeast, born and raised here, uh, who found yourself. You know, we were first match in you know in Middle America. Oh yeah, you know, in, in uh, Kansas City first, of all places. Well, the Kansas City territory. The first match was in a in a place called Sedalia, Missouri. Yeah. Uh, in the Sedalia Fairgrounds or whatever the hell it was called. And right. and listen, I wasn't even smart because back then you didn't get smartened up. You know, yeah. there was nobody trained me. Uh, there were no wrestling schools at the time. If you got really lucky, uh, you found a gym where some of the guys went, and somebody took a liking to you and then gave you a little training. Well, right. You know, I, I BS'd my way into the business. You know, I, I told them a lie here in Kansas yeah. City, uh, and, and they bought it. And then I yeah. went back to New York and told them uh, the opposite of the lie, and they bought it. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> Another lie. <laughs> yeah, well, that's... But that's, here's I the was... thing, though. The the long and the short of it was you paid your dues. You you learned how to work. Oh, they, they made you, yeah. you up. And in so doing, therein lies the psychology. Oh, the yeah. storytelling takes place in a ring. Yep. Okay? Yep. Well, yeah, listen, my my first three ma- my my first match, and and it's a name that you guys might rec- not recognize, uh, although he was a, an AAU NCAA champion for years. His name was Joe Scarpello, uh, just a little guy. You know, he's about five eight, five uh, uh, eight, man, yeah, maybe two hundred pounds, uh, but a, an unbelievable shooter. And that was my very first match because they thought I was smart. And when we got in the ring with the referee, I didn't know. I heard somebody using some of this terminology. So I said, what are we doing? Are we shooting? Are we working? I didn't know what work meant. I knew what shooting was because I was a shooter in in college. And the referee uh, was an old-timer named Ronnie Etchison. And Ronnie Etchison I used to watch as a kid. He came to the New York Territory when I used to go see them. I actually saw him wrestle Angelo Savoldi. Uh, oh, my God. But, wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. And and when I said, are we shooting or working, uh, I heard Ronnie Etchison say, oh, Jesus Christ. And, <laughs> yeah. He knew what was about to happen. I didn't. Oh, God, yeah. And, and Joe Scarpello just, <laughs> Joe Scarpello looked up at me. And said, now don't forget, uh, you know, I just got done with football season in Missouri. You know, I was almost six feet tall. I was about 265 pounds in, in pretty decent shape. And Joe Scarpello said, just take your best hold, kid. And I said, mm, okay. Well, in about five minutes, I realized that I did not have a best hold. <laughs> I didn't. There was no best hold to be found for me. Oh, shit. This, this guy had me wrapped up like a Christmas present. He didn't, he didn't hurt me, although he let me know that he could on uh, a couple of occasions. Uh, my second match uh, was with Lou Thez. Do I even have to tell you what happened there? Your second I mean, match ever is with Lou Thez? Lou Thez, yes. Oh, oh my God. God. But Lou Thez was okay if he respected you. And in the dress, and, and again, you know, Angelo, I tell you guys, uh, you know, if I'm boring you to death here, just say, okay, Davey, uh, take a break. But uh, <laughs> Luthez said to me, walked over to me, and he said, uh, hey, kid, he says, we, we, need, we need about uh, eight minutes. This was for uh, Kansas City TV. We were in yeah. St. Joseph, Missouri. And he, he said, we need about eight minutes. Uh, he said, but listen, he says, I'm going to back you up to the ropes. He said, no, I'm going to slap you. And I looked at him, and I said, well, Mr. Fez, I said, if you slap me, I'm going to slap you right back. And he just kind of smirked at me and walked away. Uh, 
And I think that's when, when he said, okay, well, you know, we'll treat this kid all right. And we, we had a good match. As far as I was concerned, I didn't yeah. get killed. Uh, we had a good match. Uh, we wrestled. And, and it was all wrestling. It was, yeah. was no, no punch, well, no kick. Lopez was the guy. That, uh, he was a shooter. He was a... Back was in the day, they used the term... And you, you know the term. It's called a hooker. He was a hooker, man. And he, he could was hook a you. hooker, for sure. Yeah, he, 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 would, he was so smooth. He put his elbow on my ear, and I didn't realize it. And he yeah. hit his wrist, or hit his fist. And and you'd think he got hit with a hammer in the ear. Whoa! Yep. What the heck was that? And and my third match ever was in Waterloo, Iowa, because this was all the Kansas City territory. Yeah. Sure. Uh, my third match ever was with Danny Hodge. Oh, wow. oh my God! So so, <laughs> so what was happening? Danny Hodge. Holy yeah. Well, see what, what I realized was happening here oh, is shit. I was I was getting a little test. Sure. And, and oh, boy, it, it wasn't. Were you? Yeah, it wasn't a test to see if I could wrestle or not, because I could. It was a test to see what kind of attitude I had, and it was a test to see if I had some respect for their business, because it wasn't my business yet. It was yeah. their business. It was how Mr. they made Murphy. a living. Yes, sir. Mr. Murphy, talk to Mr. O'Hannon about... Uh... Uh, that incident you had where someone came in and didn't show the dressing room proper respect. Okay. Um, this goes back. I'm referring about, to that newbie who thought he knew everything and then some. Yeah, th this goes back about seven, eight years, nine years. And uh, I was doing a show for a company called Superstar Wrestling. I had... I just, I'd only been with them about maybe six months. Uh, the late Mike DiMuzio was the promoter, may rest in peace. Oh, yeah. yep. uh, very good friend of mine. I miss him dearly. So anyway, I'm in the locker room. I'm walking into the locker room, and there's a referee in there, Zach Carlucci. Little black guy, about five foot nothing. And it's sometimes, sometimes he hates me because I coined the term on him, Beetlejuice. Because, <laughs> yeah, because sometimes he's, I, I would get in the ring and I'd mouth off to him. And I'd be like, oh, look at your head looking like a half-sucked milk dud. Looking like <laughs> something out of Beetlejuice. Well, the crowd heard it and then they started calling him Beetlejuice. But Zach is a very professional referee. Anyway, one of the best out there. Anyway, I'm backstage and I'm talking with Zach and another wrestler. And this kid comes in. And I call him a kid because I'm like probably 20 years older than him. Anyway, this kid comes in and he says, hey, you're Armageddon. I said, yes, I am. He said, oh, it's you and me tonight. I said, okay. He says, well, look, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do this and this and this, and then we're going to turn it around, and you're going to do this and this. Then we'll turn it around one more time, and then we'll take it home. And I said, really? <laughs> I, said, I said, how long have you been working, kid? Oh, about a year. I said, a whole year? <laughs> and I said, no, no, son. I said, here's how we're going to do it. We're going to go out there. We're going to collar an elbow. I'm going to take you in a headlock. I'm going to crush you. Then I'm going to pin you. Then we're, then, you know, that's going to be the end of the match. And I picked up my boots and I got up and I was walking away. And I heard Zach say to this kid, you know what? You just pissed off the nicest guy in the locker room. I wouldn't want to be in your boots tonight. And I, I did exactly that. I went out, collar and elbowed him. Headlocked him, then proceeded to crush him, pinned him, you know, took it home, pinned him one, two, three, yep. and I got up and I walked out of the ring and walked back to the locker room. <laughs> and, but, but see, that's, see, that's the thing that I see, and one of the reasons why I retired is a lot of these kids coming up, and this goes for the whole part of the show, they either can't work, they can't sell, or they're doing a bunch of high-flying stuff and nobody's selling anything, 
Thank you. Or they have absolutely no respect for the business or the guys who came before them. Well, and I find that a lot, and that's the thing, Davey, that annoys me more than anything. Seth, let's talk about this a little bit. Do you you Um, guys mind if I tell you one similar to that story? Oh, please do, Davey, absolutely. In the the New York Territory, uh, sometimes you'd have to go uh, and spend it in what used to be the Pittsburgh territory. Pittsburgh was a little territory in and of itself. It was it was Bruno, a great place. You found it, right? Yeah, exactly. Bruno and uh, Ace Freeman, and uh, it oh, was right. it was yes, a yes. really really great place to work. Uh, they had great TV. Bill Cardell was a TV guy. Uh, sure. But but anyway, you, you know, you'd work you'd work the the Pittsburgh towns, then you'd work uh, West Virginia and Ohio. And we were in a town uh, called Hubbard, Ohio, one night. It was a fantastic. It was always uh, all the way. It was sold out. Uh, you know, it was the only live entertainment for miles around. So uh, we're we're in Hubbard, Ohio, packed house, right. and you know we're sitting in the dressing room and uh, playing cards is uh, is Monsoon and Mike Cicluna and Dominic and and somebody else. I don't remember who else was. Maybe Johnny DeFazio. Uh, they're they're playing cards there. And I didn't play cards, so I used to sit on the side and watch or read a book or something. And and Gino Monsoon used to put the lineup on the wall, uh, so you know you'd just pay attention to what was going on. You'd have to see who was in the ring, so you'd be ready because uh, he was pretty strict about following the rules, not messing up the flow of the show. So, so some guy walked, a local guy comes in who's pretty new, uh, big, uh, big, strong, jacked up. And he looks at the uh, lineup, and he goes, ah, shit, I'm working with the old man. Well, he was booked with oh. Mike Cicluna. He's, he's booked with Mike Cicluna. So, so we all kind of looked up, and, and I saw Mike like almost bite the end off his pipe that he was smoking. <laughs> and he went, what? He started, he's starting to grumble. So, so that's like our signal. Uh, get your pokes, fellas. Don't want to miss this one. All right. So, <laughs> every, so everybody in the dressing room, the card game stops when it's time for their match. Uh, so Mike Cicluna gets in there. Now keep in mind, Mike Cicluna uh, would would come to the dressing room, take out a jump rope, and skip rope for 30 minutes solid and yeah. fast before he got in the ring, and then do it 30 minutes after he got out of the ring. Yeah. You know, this guy was in incredible shape. Oh, absolutely. So, Oh yeah. So so now they go to the ring and this guy is going to work with the old man. Well, uh, I I actually stopped counting how many turnbuckles Mike gave this guy. I think I stopped at 19. <laughs> <laughs> it was like it was like dragging a sack across. This guy blew up after the first three turnbuckles and oh Mike God. just kept going. And, and then Mike started pounding on him. He was hitting him with lung crushers that you would have said, you know, I was saying ouch to myself. Uh, so the match ended mercifully for this guy. Yeah. Mike came back, <laughs> got his jump rope, started skipping rope. The next match got in the ring and the guy was still there. <clears throat> he still didn't That's get his breath. Wow. Mike sat down and started the card game again. And finally, this kid walked over <clears throat> and said, uh, uh, Mr. Cicluna, he said, I'm, I'm really sorry uh, I said that. And Mike went, said what? And uh, he said, I'm sorry I called you an old man. He went, old man. He says, I would have killed you if I heard that, you mother. <laughs> Holy crap. Okay. I that was love a, it. Oh, that was the last we didn't see him anymore. <laughs> we didn't see and, and and another really short one, uh, like you said, dressing room protocol, uh, the old Philadelphia arena that uh, I think it was Market Street uh, that it was on. We would do TV there, you know, and, and, and Bruno was such a regular guy. You know, Bruno didn't have a private spot for himself. He would sit with us, you know, and, and everybody be in a dressing room. And a guy comes in from Detroit, uh, named Gino Hernandez. Uh, and, uh, oh, oh, yeah. Oh, so, so, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. We're, we're in there, and Gino, <laughs> Gino Hernandez uh, is wearing his, his whatever the hell it was, his Detroit 
the United States championship belt. Yeah. And he comes over and he, uh, he's got his belt and he introduces himself and he says to Bruno, Oh yeah. He says, uh, I got, I got the belt in Detroit. He says, what was your name again? (laughs) (laughs) Bruno said, Oh, he says, uh, uh, Sam Martino, they they tell me I got the belt here. Uh, you know, they, 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 uh, yeah, I, I got I got some kind of belt here. I mean, Jesus, and and, and you know, Gino Hernandez, uh, rest his soul, is uh, or not rest his soul, whatever the case may be, uh, oh, was not dead. a popular guy for reasons like that. You know, for reasons like that. Yeah, yeah I tell you what, uh, Gino Hernandez, uh, for, for better or worse, made himself known wherever he went. Seth, yep, yeah. got to be stories in uh, in your neck of the woods. So let's uh, let's go to you. What do we got? Well, you know, uh, as far as like fucking ring psychology and the effectiveness of, of ring psychology and storytelling, uh, you know, I experienced it on on several occasions. One, uh, it got to a point where, and again, back when I was doing it, you could still really interact with the audience, you know, and. We'd get out there and I would yell stuff out to them or they'd yell at me and I'd incite all kinds of riots and stuff with them. And got to a point, I was definitely a heel, but I would come out to the ring and as soon as I'd come out to the ring, people would yell from the audience, do me, insult me, like they wanted me to interact with them or to make fun of them or do something, you know. So that Seth, I've got a question for you. I have a question for you. And it it may seem... By the question, it may seem obvious what the answer might be, but okay. because you're a little person, did children gravitate toward you or didn't they not get or understand that you're actually this bad guy? Uh, you know, that's that's a loaded question. Um, I use, first of all, it's totally fine, but I don't usually use the term little person uh, for myself. I just, I just never... What right term do you prefer? I actually don't. I, you know, I'm I'm either short in stature or a midget. I don't because of because of the uh, physical structure of my body. There's certain things, but um, those I don't mind. Um, not that I mind little person, but it was just something that I never connected with in terms of my identity or who I was. That you know, mm-hmm. uh, maybe because I've got that like little dog mentality where I think I'm bigger than I am, <laughs> or something like that. Right. You know, I got a loud bark. Um, I have that problem to ask Murphy. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. You know, as far as the thing with children, that's a loaded question because one, um, when I was in wrestling, we didn't do a lot of all ages shows. Uh, the groups I was involved with, a lot of them were right. you know, 21 and over shows. Uh, but I did work on a kid's television program that was in Seattle area for right. over over a decade. Uh, so I had relationship, you know, with um, in terms of being able to um, perform with a, a young audience and things like right. that. Um, Did they make the connection? Well, so again, as far as being in wrestling, um, there was never any instances where uh, that would have occurred. I do have one story that was interesting, and this it really speaks to ring psychology and the believability of who I was because it was real. Um, I was doing a show, and again, it was, I don't know why we got booked on this show, but it was like for some after hours, like rave party. It was like a big multi-floored party. There, there was techno music and all this stuff. Not my scene. Um, it's fine, but just not my scene. And uh, we were doing a wrestling show on one of the floors, and um, it got really wild. Uh, there was a dog collar match, and you know I was managing, and I was right in there and stuff, and guys got juice and everything, and um after the show, this uh, woman, I was at the bar, and, you know, very attractive woman, she's, you know, kind of looking at me across the room, thinking, all right, my lucky night, you know, whatever, this is great. And she starts approaching me, I'm like, ah, fantastic. And she came up to me, and she said, um, she said, you know, I'm I'm a mother, she said, my my son is very young, but he he uses a wheelchair as well. And as a mother, I always tell him, you know, uh, you can do whatever you want. You can be whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. You know. And she said, but also as a parent, I know that in the world that there's going to be a lot of things, barriers in his way, or people trying to say, no, you can't do that. You know. Um, but she said, watching me that night uh, in the ring with these big guys, you know, guys, you know, 
I'm a third of their size, you know, or whatever. And, you know, and, um, but I'm, you know, ordering them around and doing everything. She said, see me that night in the middle of the fracas in the middle of all of it and controlling the, the violence. She said, I can go home and tell them you can be whatever you want. You can do whatever the hell you want to do, you know? So even me being a heel resonated with somebody in terms of just the tenacity and saying that it doesn't matter. You know, your size. Yeah, and your, that's your, exactly your what I was getting at. And I'm glad yeah, you so that, that was from a parent that was able yeah. to go home and change her whole. Uh, and very honestly, uh, that made my night. Uh, you know, even more than than what I was thinking when she approached me, that made my night. I went home with such a smile on my face, uh, because that's the effectiveness of professional wrestling done correctly. It sticks with people. It sticks to your ribs, and you take yeah. it home with you. And if you know how to tell the story, if you've got the right uh, persona, that's what it does. It changes people. It makes them think differently. Absolutely. Well, you you know what? I I got to tell you something, and and I'm so pleased to hear what Seth just said, uh, because I'm going to tell you, uh, when when I was in the business and in the territories, uh, when we were on the road, uh, there was no uh, there was no uh, title or description uh, put on guys like Sky Lolo and Fuzzy Cupid. Uh, yeah. whether it was them or Andre or me or anybody else, they were just wrestlers, just like us. Yeah. Just like us. Yeah. That's, and, and it was never, never mentioned. It was never mentioned. And it wasn't mentioned because it was a sore subject. It didn't have to be mentioned. We were all doing the same thing. It just never we came were, up. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I wasn't as big as Andre and, 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 uh, you know, uh, the farmer Pete wasn't as big as me. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. It it just yeah. we were we were just the boys. That's all yeah. it was. That's all it was. There was there was no title hung on anybody. And and like Seth just said uh, about a kid that was less fortunate. I, I it happened to me in the Asbury Park Convention Hall. Uh, I was working and I happened to glance out, and at the end of the first row was a young guy in a wheelchair. I could see his parents and, and sister were with him and he had cerebral palsy and he was razzing me through the match. And I finally jumped out of the ring and got in his face and told him to shut up and you stop it. And he kind of looked at his father and his father said, tell him. And this kid <laughs> went off on me. And when I got out of the ring, what I did was there was a folding chair sitting there that the timekeeper was using. I put it behind me. And, you know, nobody noticed. It looked like I just moved it out of my way. Yeah. And uh, and the kid was really giving it to me. Uh, and we were having a good time. And I stepped back and I stepped into the chair. I took a big bump uh, over the chair. And he, it was fantastic. Yeah. Well, I went back and, and somebody came to the dressing room door and said, uh, listen, that kid's father wants to talk to you. I said, oh, crap. Now what? Yeah. <laughs> now what? And and the father said to me, I'm going to tell you something. This was the best day of his life. The best. He had Great. more fun today. He says, we haven't seen him have so much fun ever. He said, That's thanks cool. for treating him just like one of the... I said, well, he is just one of the fans. You know, I'm, I feel terrible yeah. that he's in that situation. You know, and, and I said, listen, I can't talk to you outside. We, we actually brought him back. And I think, I think that, that Putsky was there that night. I think Putsky took a picture. I can't be sure with him. Okay. But I, said, you know, I said, you know what? We come back here. I said, you know, you understand that I can't come out there and talk to you, but oh, come yeah, on right. back here. And, and all the guys came, they made a fuss over him. And the father oh, said, terrible. yeah, it was so, so, you know, while we're talking about, uh, different people and, and, uh, you know, that's why there's vanilla and chocolate ice cream, man. It's something Absolutely. different for everybody. Sure. I was going to say, I, I would love to, um, I'd love to bring that up next week when Ivan's on the show. Yeah. You know what? I don't know if he'll remember. I know he didn't see what I was doing out there, but, and, and you got to think that, you know, he is, especially as a popular baby face that he was, yeah. that, that he's, that he's done that with a million different people. You know, so, just so the point. I do. I you do know, have a question for you. 
because I read somewhere that this almost happened, and you would you would be the guy who might know. Was there ever at any point uh, some talk about turning Bruno heel? Bruno, not that I know of. Turning turning Butsky heel, there was some talk about that. Oh, but again, really? Okay. I wa- but I wasn't in the office. You know, I wasn't. I wasn't in there. Uh, but but I know for sure. Uh, only because we were so close. First of all, yeah. Bruno would have never done it. Well, yeah. Well, I would have yeah. never. Listen, Bruno, if he was at a restaurant, yeah, and and there were kids in the restaurant, Bruno wouldn't have a glass of wine on the table in front of him. I know that for a fact. Yeah, he wouldn't true. do it. Uh, he was he yeah. was too sensitive to the people because they believed in him. He lived they believed in him so much, and and that was legitimate because because he was the kind of guy to believe in. Absolutely. Well, you I, know, Davey, I, I know. Gotta, I got to say true. this. And I don't mean to interrupt, but Davey, I got to say this. There's a wrestler that you uh, that you remind me of. I saw the one picture of you. And you remind me so much of uh, Dirty Dick Slater. We, we were tag team partners. They were. <laughs> we we were the Slater. We were the Slater brothers. There you go. For about yeah. for about two for about two months in in Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Murph is a bit. Go ahead, Seth. You wanted to say something. Oh, I was just uh, to to put a cap on on Davy's point is that among the boys, among the locker room, that kind of stuff was never brought up. Is we were a group, oh. we were you know. At one time, it was brought up with me, and that's a, a whole other story by a promoter. And uh, I'll just say that my bare knuckle skills got uh, uh, were in handy, came in handy that, that time. But uh, other than that, it was never brought up. It was never a thing. That's why Beautiful. I never really even addressed. Well, I'll tell you what, I think we put an exclamation on the show. Um, we wrapped it up with a nice bow, put an exclamation point on it. So ring psychology and the storytelling part two. The final chapter is uh, one for the books. But next week, we're going to open up another chapter in the book, Mr. Murphy. Ivan puts yes. Polish power. Will Polish be power. Here. And I'm going to pull Davey O'Hannon out of retirement if it kills him. And it just might. <laughs> it might. Well, see, yeah. Angelo, Angelo, I got to say this. See, you think I don't see what you're doing. You What's think that? I don't understand. I know that you're bringing Davey O'Hannon on here. Yeah. You want to you want to sign me and him up against each other. Now, he can't duck me forever. He's been ducking me too long. Well, I want no, to put you and Davey in the ring and go call the brawl for the Geritol. We could have the match at Rothman, at Rothman Institute because that's, that's where I'll be in several weeks getting a new wheel put on here. Well, <laughs> on behalf of, uh, on behalf of uh, my, myself and my audience, Mr. Murphy, I'll see you next week. Seth Witz, tell everybody where they can reach you your social media, what you're up to and what you're doing. Yeah, man. So uh, people can find me at the Fish and Chips Boxing Club. Uh, find me online. Uh, my email is Seth Witz. That's S-E-T-H-W-I-T-Z at yahoo.com. And uh, I'm on Instagram at Fish and Chips Wilson. That's Fish, the letter N, Chips Wilson. And uh, Facebook, Seth Witz. And you can message me there. And like I said, I train boxers. I train bare-knuckle boxers. I train professional wrestlers and mic work and character development, gimmick development, things like that, how to cut promos. All right. And I even teach that to non-wrestlers, to boxers, and just to uh, the general public. It's a good exercise in confidence building and, and how to be you and how to live yourself all the time. And that's what we're really talking about here is living it. Absolutely. Man, so they can find me and we, I can set them up. We can talk about sessions either in person or online. And, uh, yeah, man, love to hear, love to hear Beautiful. from you. Beautiful. Kudos to you. And Mr. Thanks O'Hannon, Davey Well, thanks, guys. Fun doing it with you. A pleasure to meet uh, Mike and Seth. It was uh, fun having some time with you again. Uh, that was awesome talking to you, man. Well, you, guys, you guys made the night. I like, uh, I like being on a show with a couple of old-timers like that. 
I love it. I love when, when somebody can look at Murphy and call him an old timer. God bless there you. There you go. Well, I can do that because he's far away from me. That's right. Hey, <laughs> Dave, thanks hey, for joining us, brother. Take care, On guys. On behalf of Murphy, Seth Witts, and David Yohannan, I'm Mad Dog DeCipio. Take care, everybody. See you next time. Happy wrestling.